right, everyone, welcome to the Unity Church. Let's get up and let's worship the Lord.
You excited to be in church today? Let's try it again. You excited to be in church today? Where else can we just come together with uh, other people, um, the people of God, and just worship God, and he meets us here. Isn't that awesome? So um, I, since you guys said you're glad to be in church, I want you to turn to somebody and I want to say, good to see you in church today. And turn to your second choice and say, good to see you too. And our kids can go ahead and head to Haven. Kids. changing things up a little bit. Kind of threw me a little bit. I have announcements first, though. So we are going to go to our Lord in prayer today. We have a prayer request from Karen. Her sister, Tina Shaker, is in Kenya on a mission trip, and she fell and broke her ankle and leg. Um, she will need surgery on money, so she, we need to send her lots of prayers over there for safety, for healing, um, we also have one from Carol Henson, prayers for her daughter-in-law's grandfather, Ray Wilbert, had surgery for bowel blockage, um, and they would, he is the patriarch of their family, so they really would like you to lift him up in prayer that everything goes well and there's no cancer or anything involved here. I also would like to lift up our VBS that's coming. Pray for it. Pray for volunteers, which we need still, so see Kate if you're willing to do that. Um, we also have cards. If you know people that you would like to invite, hand them a little card from outside. So lift it up that God brings the children here to Haven so that we can show them God's love and lead them in the right way. So if we bow our heads, as we take a breath in, God, come into our hearts as we breathe out. Renew us today. 
Father, I pray for those who are hurting and find their lives in a hard spot right now. Draw near to them. May your Holy Spirit give them strength to hold on to the hope that we have in you, Lord. Remind them that you are their strength and that your promises are kept, Lord. We find that in Hebrews 10.23, that we can stand on your word, Father God. Again, we ask that you be with Pastor Jack today as he brings his word, that the Holy Spirit would be here, will fill this church mightily, and that we would be able to take your word in and take it out to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so we got a we got a couple things. I do want to say, um, if you're visiting with us today, welcome. Um, we just always have this statement that, um, uh, and we believe it. It's not just a statement because you know churches are good at saying things that they don't believe, um, or they they might believe it, but they don't act it out. You know what I mean? Um, but we just believe that God brought you here for a reason. Um, we don't know what that full reason is, but we think it's to connect to Him because that's what, why we exist. And so, uh, if you want our worship guide, or our bulletin thing, wherever you want to come, it's up here on a QR code. If you would rather have that than paper, go ahead. You can pull out your phones, your smartphones, and all that kind of stuff. And now we live in a time where um, smartphones have everything. They have your Bibles on them too. Anybody have your Bibles on the on a smartphone and you, and you get them? And uh, no excuse for not reading now, right? It, it, uh, you set a timer and it updates you. Um, mine goes off every day. At, um, at four o'clock in the afternoon to remind me to pray, um, which is always a time that doesn't work, you know what I mean? And so you make it work at that time just to stop at that moment. So it's, it's kind of cool. But we do welcome you here. If you're here, I want you to relax and have a good time and have what God has for you. A uh, couple things. We are in the midst of our, our series. Um, week five, can you believe it already? Five, we said it's a, a nine-week series on the sermon. It's uh, on the Beatitudes. Um, if you've been around church for any time, the Beatitudes are like the preamble to the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is, even if you are not a Christian, it's, um, it's one of those things that people look at and say uh, is one of the greatest teachings ever in the history. Um, but one of the things is, in, in case you um, don't recognize, when we look at the Scripture and when we try to apply that to our lives, it's very difficult in this world. Right? And so for us, many people may think we're upside down, but Jesus gave us the right side up thing for a very upside down world. And that's kind of where this whole, whole thing um, comes from because it is a stranger way to think. The world tells us one thing, but Jesus tells us something, um, something else. And so if I'm going um, to put my, my money on the wheel and spin around, I'm going to put it on Jesus. You know what I mean? Um, because that's, that's God's eternal uh, significance and Jesus doesn't lie. Although some of these things, we, we look through them and we go, what, what in the world? Like the first one was, Blessed are the poor in spirit. 
Um, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That, that just seems weird when you say, oh, it's great if you're mourning, um, particularly somebody who's had a lot of loss, and many of you have had a lot of loss in your life, that you mourn for things. Um, many of us mourn 2019, correct? When things were a little bit uh, more normal. So, um, so we mourn for that. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And that just doesn't seem anything like our culture now. Uh, and we talked about meekness and gentleness. Last week, we talked about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Anybody hungry after that sermon? Went and got something to eat? Um, how many went to the refrigerator this week and opened it and just looked and said, oh my gosh, there, I remember the sermon. Uh, so whatever it takes. If it's a, a refrigerator, we'll do that uh, again. But today is one that is very uncommon in, cult, in our culture today. And it is blessed are the merciful. Um, something not many people do anymore. You aren't going to put that on your resume um, when you're getting a job. I'm really merciful. Um, and it says, for they will be shown mercy. Now hold on to that last line, if you will. Um, and I guess because, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, a lot of these, anybody struggle with a lot of these in your life? Anybody honest? I mean, you want to be honest? All right, okay, there we have some people who are honest, and the rest of you are lying, and Jesus will forgive you. Um, but anyway, I have, um, I struggle with, like, all of these. I don't know about you, but I'm like, I'm looking at them. I'm saying, man, you know, there's, there's like uh, not much meekness in me at times, you know, and I, and I, you know, do I hunger and thirst for lots of things, but is it righteousness, you know? And so this is another one today. And, um, and I, I like this, uh, this thing, blessed are the merciful. And when we look at Webster's dictionary, um, it, it says, um, as a compassionate or kindly, um, and they use this word, we have this word in here, forbearance. And what is forbearance? It means you decide to put up with it. Uh, anybody feel like you're just putting up with stuff, but, you, but you're agitated about putting up with it? This is not being agitated about it. It's that you just, it, it's something that could really bother you, and you're going to give it a pass, even if it doesn't deserve a pass. Um, and you're, you're just going to go ahead and you're going to show this mercy toward somebody who offended you or somebody who did something to you. Um, and, and one of the things is they're wrong, but you're just not going to get caught up in it. Grace is the opposite of that. Grace is, um, and we're saying your grace is enough. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. Okay, that's what grace is. And we are saved by grace. None of us, none of us deserves the gift of eternal life and forgiveness that Jesus gives to us. Not one of us, nobody in here. And so we don't deserve that. That's grace. But mercy is, um, is looking past that something that we do deserve. Um, so we didn't deserve salvation, but God gave it to us anyway. And he also shows us mercy. So think, if we um, are ever living in an unmerciful times or unmerciful world, I believe that it's now. I mean, I can at least say for 51 years, this is the most unmerciful time that I've ever seen. Um, because we live in a time where people will condemn you, they'll harass you, they'll cancel you. Anybody been canceled? Um, or let me put it in modern terms. Anybody been blocked on social media? Okay, like you don't exist, all right? Um, they'll toss you aside, they'll offend you. Um, and they tend, a lot of people in the culture tends to love, they, they love and they just take pro, a little bit of pride in doing that. I blocked them. I don't have, I'm not talking to them. They're cut off. And there's this like kind of nature that exists here. Um, you're one and done in this culture. One and done. And we love to raise people up to cut their legs out from under them. And then we all celebrate cutting their legs out from under them. And you can say this. Uh, I heard somebody say this once. And it says, we become great judges of other people's sin and great defenders of our own. We like to judge. Um, we're happy to show you what you've done wrong and where you're wrong and talk about it and post it. I was reminded about 
when Jesus continues on and say, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, but you're forgetting about that two by four that's in your own. Um, and, and that's really what he's saying. And we live in that time more and more. And then honestly, um, when it comes to us, we have, we have, oh, no, no, you don't understand. I've got reasons for that. I've got a lot of different, you don't understand where I came from. You don't under, and we make excuses for the way we behave, um, but not for others. And Jesus is saying when you learn the art of mercy giving or being merciful, there is joy in your heart. There's a blessedness. Now, the term blessed um, or blessedness is translated blessed. And that's one, it's hard for the writer, for um, the translators, because blessed means, um, in one, this, this word that they translate blessed, it's not just like, oh, we're blessed, that like we get, like we say, oh, you're so blessed, you have a good family, you have, you know, you don't have any, many, too many concerns in life, but you're just blessed. That's not what it means, it's not something here, it's a, it's a, a peace and a joy that is from within. And that's why some people translate it as happiness. But for instance, many of us change our happiness. Like when you're hungry, what will make you happy? Food, right? And if, you're, if, you've, if you've eaten after Thanksgiving dinner, the last thing you want is more food, correct? And so, so we're not, if I said, look, I made a pumpkin pie, you're like, no, I have no more. That wouldn't make you happy. So it's not a situational, like, a, um, that just a fluid kind of thing. It's a happiness that regardless of whatever circumstances, it's a blessedness that regardless of what's going on in the world or in your life, that you have this peace and joy that nothing can take. And that's what Jesus is saying here. If you do these things, this is what happens, and there's a joy in your heart. So I want to tell you uh, a story, because I like to tell little stories here. And um, I'm going to tell you, there's this man, and he went into um, a little corner store. And this corner store was one where the men used to hang out and talk about the weather, talk about politics, talk about life, and all that kind of stuff. Um, And they would just swap stories. And he walked in one day, and he had this big old lump underneath his shirt on his chest. And uh, Bill was sitting there and he said, man, why you got that lump on your chest? He said, man, I got dynamite underneath my shirt. I said, why you got dynamite? He said, well, I got dynamite under there because, you know, every, every time when I come in here, Michael pokes me in the chest, just pokes me in the chest. And every time he does it, he breaks my cigars. And I like my cigars and he always breaks them. So this time he's going to put me in the chest, I'm going to blow him up. <laughs> That's funny if you really think about it. Um, think about it. Got cigars in his pocket, and he decides he's going to blow them up. And many times when we're not merciful, that's how we are. We want to blow other people up, but it really hurts us. It really hurts us in the grand scheme of things. So let's look at it. Jesus comes along and says, blessed are you if you learn the art of mercy. And so basically you're going to say, oh, are we letting other people off the hook? Um, yes, but mostly you're letting yourself off the hook. You're letting yourself off the hook here. So the happy people, the blessed people are the ones who don't hold stuff in their heart. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the cliff notes, or, and if you're younger, the spark notes, um, about what I'm going to do today. So I'm going to give you two ways to do it, okay? We're going to talk about that. So you're thinking, okay, I understand. Some of you are like, all right, I understand this mercy thing, but how do I do it? I mean, you don't know the people I do. You don't know my family. You don't know my friends, my boss. So that's what we're going to talk about. And then I'm going to help with that. And then I'm going to give you four places that we're not showing mercy enough. And then if we have a little bit of time, I've got some bonus material that I might share very quickly. Oh, yeah, hey, you, got, you hit the bonus round. If we get the bonus round today, it might be good. Uh, first time I've ever had anybody say, yeah, if we have more time, he's got more. You know, that's what they usually do in church. So, Wes, you get the gold star. All right, so the first thing is, here's two ways. Number one, remind ourselves 
of how merciful God is to me. Right? Remind yourself of how merciful God is to you. And I, when I say remind yourself, I mean this is something you have to do every single day. You have to remind yourself every single day. And one of the healthiest ways to do that is to pray. Now, we've done a lot, we've spent a lot of time on prayer. Um, we did a whole uh, section on the Lord's Prayer, and we did the prayer course in small groups as a church uh, in order to help us with prayer. And it's really neat that we have, in the weeks that we have people up here sharing, that they're using some of those um, skills and, and, and deals. Because I don't know about you, but I, I'm, you may not hear this a lot, but prayer is very difficult for me. Is prayer difficult for anybody else? Like I'm saying prayer in a traditional manner where you sit still. Okay, fold your hands, close your eyes and bow your head. That is torture for me, just to let you know. My mind is like over here. Oh, I got to take out the trash. What am I going to eat? Anybody else, your mind wanders in there. And so for me, what I learned is one of the best things about prayer that I, that, um, I can do is, is move. Like, I, I move. And just to let you know, in, um, toward the uh, end of August, last two weeks or so of August, we're going to reinstitute uh, in the morning and on Saturday, um, a couple mornings, we're going to have our, um, our uh, season of prayer that we do right before we lead into the fall. We meet here in the morning, and um, it's, it's, about an, it's exactly an hour. It's real stringent to the time, and a couple words, and then we, um, we have some um, worship, like a worship song, a couple words, and then worship plays, and we've got uh, resources for you. We've got a prayer guide that, that can help you work through different ways to pray. If you're, if you're worried about that, you can walk all around the building. You can do whatever you want. Um, we also have prayer cards where you can um, pray for people who you want to come to the Lord, and we'll, we'll meet here early in the morning, and then you can go on about your life, um, you know, the rest of the day. But it's just, I really believe we, we're in a season that we need to have more prayer. And so we're going to um, engage in that 14 days of prayer um, in this time. So prayer is extremely important. And we spent time talking about the Lord's Prayer and the elements of that. So our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Start with worship and honor of God. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done. Say, you know, hey, I want to go on your agenda, God. And uh, give us this day our daily bread. Start with our needs. And, and then, then we get to this phrase that Jesus says. He says this in Matthew 6. He says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. That is something that, and we didn't talk about that section in, uh, when we talked about prayer, but it's a key part because it really states in um, Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven. It is, it is something that we've already done. We're asking God for forgiveness when we have forgiven others. And this, who is that? It's the ones who owe me something. Um, the word debt is only used twice in the New Testament. And it's not like that natural debt that, you know, hey, I borrowed 20 bucks off of you, you have a debt to me, that it's, it's paid off. It really means the term bankruptcy. It really means bankruptcy. Um, it's not like a debt you can pay, your credit card, uh, or something like that. If basically, if you spent the rest of your life doing 15 jobs full-time, you could never pay off this debt. It's an unpayable debt because it's way, way, way too big. And you need to ask God to remind yourself God paid this debt for you. He paid an, un, an unpayable debt to you and me that we have. We had, and all our good works, all our efforts, anything that we can do, cannot come close to paying that. Only Jesus comes along and clears your debt. And when you realize it, you begin to have a capacity to forgive others. I mean, really, really think. I want you to think right now, okay? Everybody think. And don't worry, we don't have mind readers here. I want you to think of five of the worst things you've ever done. 
You got those real quick, didn't you? You guys were like, mm, I got them, you know. Um, but we, we have those. Some things that you would, like, some things that if we said, oh, right here on screen is what you have. You know, how many of you would be really excited about that? Anybody? No. I mean, I'd be excited about seeing your all, but I, maybe the film would die by the time it got to me. But, um, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it, we, we have these things, and if I had to pay my own way for that, it would never happen. It would never get paid off. Jesus took that on and paid it for us because sin separates us from God and he connected us back to the Father because he was sinless. Let me say it this way. If we think we can earn God's forgiveness, we'll make others earn our forgiveness. Okay? Because we don't have to earn God's forgiveness. And I'll tell you, I'm going to say something. Church Universal has been really bad about this. We've told people, do this, do that, do that. And we've made it works righteousness rather than just I am saved by faith through grace in Jesus Christ. That's it. His undeserved favor is the only reason why I don't bust hell wide open. And so when we have this, we, got, we look at this, that if I think that I have to earn God's forgiveness, then I think you have to earn my forgiveness. Anybody, um, you know, anybody ever had a moment in life where um, somebody made you, like, pay for, um, to get your, their forgiveness back? Or to get their forgiveness. Anybody ever had, or could it be a relationship? Or maybe you're the one who said, I'm going to put them through hell right now until they, they grovel to me. You know, we, we get, get to that. And the thing I love is Jesus never makes anybody grovel. So why are people so willing to receive it and not actually ready to give it? And I think it's just because we forget that God has been very, very, very good to us. Um, he did something he didn't have to do, and he paid our debts. Um, so let's think about it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5 says, But God's mercy is so abundant and his love so great that when we were spiritually dead, in other words, when we were headed to hell, in our disobedience he brought us to life with Christ. It is by God's grace you have been saved. So the number one, we need to remind ourselves that we were headed into spiritual bankruptcy and I was going to have to spend the rest of my life in eternity in hell Jesus set me free. And we should be a lot more excited than that than we are. We really should be. When we realize that hell is a mighty long time, it's forever, and heaven is too, I thank God that, that he sent his son, Jesus, so he could pay my debt. You know what I mean? Um, and, and so we should be a lot more excited about that. Um, and I truly believe that when you realize it, it does give us the capacity to do this because I've heard this before. The forgiven forgive. The forgiven forgive. When you've really been forgiven something, then you're more apt to forgive, right? Um, number two, remember, here's the big one. Remember one day we will all face God. We will all face God. As part of my job as a pastor, uh, isn't just to preach to you every day and give you a little spiritual kumbaya moments so that you can say, check that off the week. Yeah, I feel good about, about my, uh, my faith and then go to hospitals or, or talk to people and counsel or whatever else. Um, part of my job is actually to prepare you for the final exam. Um, how many of you, are, you, some of you may be in school or you may have um, remembered school and preparing and getting ready for an exam? Anybody ever have to take an exam or a test? Anybody? in life. Um, and so, so let me try that again. Let's see. How many have ever taken, had to take a test or an exam? Okay, there we go. That's a little bit better. Um, so if you've ever taken a test, like there's those times where you ever go in and you sit down and you pick out your number two pencil, um, or for those of you who are as old as me, the blue books, remember those? All right. And you sit down and you get ready and you look at the question and you say, I have no clue what this is about. Anybody been there? I have no clue. Did, 
did the teacher even talk about it? Did, did, is this even in the book? I mean, what, was I asleep? Or what was, and probably the answer to that is yes. Um, but, you know, you ever have that and you just feel, and that, that panic starts to go over you. And you're like, I'm going to fail. I'm going to do this. You know, I, I, that's how I was in my statistics class in college. I mean, this is not a math genius that you're looking at up here. Um, but I remember I had this guy named Stanley Weirden. I still remember his name. And he was like, um, he was uh, is a good old, like, intelligent hillbilly from West Virginia. And he was like, hey, yeah, well, you're Virginia. It's not West Virginia. But he was like, he's a good guy. And he sit there and he was like, uh, but he was also like a little bit of Ben Stein, you know, that guy who's really like talks really slow, like Bueller, Bueller, that guy. And so he had a, a, you know, West Virginia accent with that. And he'd be like, welcome to statistics. Take out your books and we're going to take notes. And I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, help me through this, you know. And, and I remember I was in the class and it was like, I, we, like after a week we had a quiz, which I, you know, um, bombed and um so then we had a test coming up in two weeks and um and so uh it came time he was going over the information for the test and he was going like asking questions and then when he was going to teach meanwhile my panic level is like i'm gonna fail i'm gonna you know like be on the streets my parents are gonna disown me you know whatever else and and i'm sitting there because i had to have this and um and it was a class of like probably like 300 people or whatever in this lecture hall. And I was just sitting there, and he said, are there any questions? And I don't know whether it's the spirit of God or just the spirit of failure that was facing me. I just needed to say something. So I raised my hand, and he said, yes, what's your name? And I said, Jack Cohen. He goes, all right, Mr. Cohen, what's your question? And I said, I don't mean to be disrespectful at all, but I don't have a clue what you're talking about. And everybody laughed, okay, like some of you just sit there. And he goes, and I thought, if I'm going down, I'm going down in a blaze of glory, you know what I mean? And he said, what's your name? And I'm like, now I got to drop this class. And he was like, uh, I said, Jack Cohen, he said, how many else feel that way about this? And like, he said, seriously. And uh, people started raising their hands, and I looked, and like most of the class was raising their hand. And he said, what's your name again? I guess he kept forgetting. Um, and he said, I said, Jack Cohen, he said, Mr. Cohen, I like questions like that. He said, let's go back to day one. And he went back to day one. A college professor went back to day one and didn't send me out. And, and guess what? I got a B plus in statistics. Isn't that awesome? Don't ask me anything about it now because that's long before and I forgot about it. But I, I had no clue. But I went to his office every day. I did those things because I prepared. Before I was unprepared for the test. I had not prepared for that. But there's those other times that when I sat down, I knew the material and I knew what to do. This is the same way we are with God. Um, I've got to go ahead and let you know that one of my jobs is to make sure when you get to that final exam that you pass the test. I don't want God looking at you and you say, well, well, Cohen never told us that. And he's like, where's Jack? And I'm like, I'm hiding somewhere in heaven. I want to make sure that you know that this is part of what we need to do. And we, we talked about the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or death It's not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is kingdom, power, and glory forever. Amen. The next verse Jesus gives a complimentary thing to these seven areas. He gave us the prayer, and he said, you know, let me, let me go through this one more time. And here's what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. He said, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. He flips it around. But if you do not forgive them, others of their sins, 
Your father will not forgive your sins. I don't like that. Do you not like that? Jesus told stories constantly about people who were the opposite of the beat, this beatitude, and he called them unmerciful. Unmerciful. And honestly, um, we never see much of God's wrath. You know, yeah, we can go to Old Testament and other things because we, we focused on God being loving and kind and compassionate and good and his mercy endures forever. And those are all true. But the Bible tells us that there is one main area that if you want to tick God off, here's what you do. It's when we receive something that we're not willing to give and grant to somebody else. Constantly. Constantly. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Um, Matthew 18, just jot it down. And read it later. Read the story later. I don't have time to go into it all, particularly if we're going to give Wes the bonus material. Um, so, but this whole thing, Peter comes up to Jesus and says, okay, I hear you talking about this letting people off the hook, hook forgiving people. And they've offended me. And you know that's tough. But when they do it again, and if they do it again, and if they do it again, and they do it again, and they do it again, and they do it again, what do I do? And he's, Peter says, seven times? Because in the Jewish faith, they had like three and, and four, and he's doubling it and adding one. He's trying to look good. Yeah, Peter's trying to look good. Oh, six? I mean, Jewish religion says three times. I've doubled and added one. I am Rocky. Hey, yo. You know? And he does that. And in this case, Jesus says not seven, but 70 times seven. 490 times per day. It's not like you have a tally and you're click, 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 click. Oh, whew, I'm done with that person. It's just every day. And by the way, if you never went to sleep and you're awake 24 hours a day, that is forgiving somebody every three minutes. And guess what? There will be people that, in, out, as soon as you leave here, that you'll have to do that with um, every, every minute. And he tells a story. It's a make-believe story about a king who forgave somebody a debt. And the modern-day equivalent of what this person owed the king, are you ready for this, is $5 billion, with a B, dollars. So he owed the king $5 billion. We often look at these stories and say, oh, he owed him so many talents. We're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. $5 billion, that is a lot of money. And if you don't think that's a lot of money, come see me after church. We've got some things we want to do with the church, and we'll talk about it, you know, and, and some different things. But $5 billion, he owed the king, and the king forgave it, had mercy on him and forgave it. The man then walks outside, and he sees somebody who owed him money. He owed him $10,000. Now, that's still a good amount of money, but it's payable, right? It, it, you can find ways to probably do that. If I owed somebody $5 billion, I'm telling you, there ain't no way Jack's going to figure that out. $10,000, I may be able to work some stuff around and sell some things and figure it out. The man sees him. He says, you owe me. He's just been forgiven $5 billion. He takes the man and throws him in, has him thrown in prison. And the king found out that he did it and made him so angry. And he went and he found him. And he had him thrown into prison himself where the weeping and, as they say, gnashing of teeth. I don't know why there's a G there. A gnashing of teeth um, go on forever and ever. And in Matthew 16, 33, it says, Shouldn't you have mercy on others just as I had mercy on you? James chapter 2 he ramps it up to a whole new level and he says, you must show mercy to others or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. We talked about that. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear of judgment. 
And so, I, you know, I need to get prepared for that day of being merciful. And, then, and when they say, I need Jack Cohen, I say, here I am. And I go before that great white throne of judgment. That, that moment that that's happening to me, that I can show up there and that God can say, man, you showed mercy to a lot of people. And you received my mercy. So come on in. Welcome to the kingdom of heaven is yours. This is completely against our culture, isn't it? It's completely against our culture. Like, for instance, um, when somebody cuts us off on the road, are we like, oh, mercy, mercy. Yeah. Oh, they might have some, oh, mercy, mercy. We're like, you're going to beg for mercy when I catch up with you, you know, at the next light. And we're, we're just, man, we're just, the darn line. And we just, we're just aggravated with everybody. And this culture is getting into us and it's going generationally. And we live in the most divisive culture as well. We live in a society that wants to pit people against each other all the time. Um, with all its might, it's trying to destroy us against each other. And, and, you know, what I want us to be is that, you know, I can tell you, I may not always get it right. We were at a conference this week, and, and the pastor was talking about when you see somebody and they, they do that and they cut you off, and you're like, you jerk, you know, like, you know, that's, Jesus says, hey, that's my jerk, you know. And it wasn't two minutes that Keith and I were on the road and heading back, and somebody cut me off, and I said, yeah, that's mine right there, you know. I mean, you know, because we, we lose sight of that. Uh, so easily we lose sight of that. And so we compete in this culture time and time again. But I want to be somebody who doesn't always, I may not always get it right. I'm going to tell you, I'm not always going to get it right. I'm not always going to get it right, and I'm gonna, but I want to miss on the side of showing mercy and not judging people. And I want to stand in front of God, and, and maybe he'll say, um, God, I, I love too much. And, you know, when you love too much, you get hurt a lot. And so um, I'd rather stand on before God loving too much than judging too harshly. And I think the church in many ways through history has been, been bad about that. Um, I've had people tell me before, you're just too nice to people. Um, and, you know, you let them off the hook too easy. And, you know, I just don't, I don't think God's going to say to me, you know, well done, but, yeah, you, you just were a little too nice to those people, you know. I mean, you let that person off the hook a lot, you know, because he knows what he's done for me. Um, we are, well, you know, we're called, one of the things, this is a calling. We are called to be agents of mercy. And, um Yet we're in a world that loves to cancel, condemn, harass. But let's be those who forgive. So what does the Lord require of us? Micah chapter 6. You guys know this one. It's a, many of you do. And what does the Lord require of you? If you say, what is God? God, what do you want from me? Here's your answer. Um, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. That's it right there. Because um, if we do that, we are ministers of mercy. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul put it this way to the Corinthian church. He said, so from now on, and I'm hoping after today's message that you can say the same thing. Uh, from now on, we won't regard anybody from a what? Worldly point of view. Man, that is so hard, isn't it? Isn't it? Like, do you, I mean, come on. Am I the only one here today? Are you guys asleep? Are you like on post-vacation syndrome or something? Um, you know, like, do you like, do you find yourself judging people by a worldly point of view all the time? Some of you don't want to raise your, shake your hand. You're afraid like lightning will fall. If it did, I would not be standing here. Because I said I do at times. I just do. I, f I find humor in everything. And it's a lot of times at the expense of myself and others. You know what I mean? And, and so that is my worldly point of view. Worldly point of view. And I have to constantly, each and every day, go ahead and tell myself. Because we're pitting each other off of Republican, Democrat, men, women, this group, that group. And we're constantly letting things separate us. But we need to stop letting social media or 
Fox and CNN or whatever else you're looking at create uh, dissension, and we need to start thinking about people as Jesus does. It's that simple. We need to look through that lens. He says, though we once regarded Christ that way, we do so no longer. We thought, well, whatever, okay, that's Jesus, but we got saved and we need to show mercy. Then we got saved. And he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. A new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. How many of you who've been a Christian for a while, that old creation keeps sneaking back in? It, it's, it's, right, it's right there um, so many times. And it says, um, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Um, so I, I want to look at this word uh, reconciliation real quick. Again, I just share with you, I'm not a math person. And, um, you know, I've, Melissa usually does the, um, the banking stuff because um, I've never been one who had, like, the checkbook out. How many of you are the people with the checkbook and you have, you write everything down and you, it's all zeroed out? Anybody do that? Okay. How many, are, how many praise Jesus for quicken? I mean, that's me. Yeah, that's where I am. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for quicken. It fell out of heaven and I paid money and it was there, right? You know, it's like manna from heaven. It just, it, it keeps track of stuff. But one of the coolest things that you see um, with this is that um, if you get an online statement, you put it in and all that kind of stuff, or if you're one of those hand people, the word reconcile means to bring the balance to zero. So what you spend and what you have, you want it to equal out to zero, and then it's reconciled that is there. This is what we need to take, think about Jesus, that Jesus went ahead. We had a debt we could not pay, and he zeroed it out. Just zeroed it out. So, so that's why the scripture says, hey, when you, when you bring up your sins that have been forgiven, that when you do that, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It's like if you pay, let's go back to the guy with $5 billion. You paid $5 billion for me, and I keep coming back and say, wow, yeah, but that $5 billion I owe you, you're going to get annoyed after a while and say, I paid it. Move on. And I think so many of us are still bouncing back and forth, and we're not taking in the grace and love and mercy that God gave to us that he reconciled us. He made us zero, and we're good. He took that balance and made it zero. I love the quote by C.S. Lewis. Of course, I love C.S. Lewis anyway. Um, but he says this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. There was a hunter who, um, who killed and ate a bald eagle. And he's arrested for violating the Endangered Species Act. He pled guilty and he throws himself on the mercy. Oh, please, mercy of the court. Your Honor, the hunter said, I had no idea it was illegal to kill and eat a bald eagle. If... You show me mercy and let me go. I promise I'll never do it again. The, the judge says, you know, you've committed a very serious crime. Um, but clearly you weren't aware of the law, so I'm, I'm going to overlook it this time, and we are going to show mercy. But before I go, I want to ask you one thing. He says, sure, Your Honor, please ask anything. And thank you so much. He said, what is it? And the judge says, you know, it's been illegal to kill a protected species for many years, so few people have ever tasted a bald eagle. For the record, can you please... Tell us what a bald eagle tastes like. To that, the hunter thought for a moment. He said, hmm, it tastes pretty good. It's kind of like a cross between a spotted owl and a condor. <laughs> get it? Come on, that's funny. I, you guys, that's funny. Get it? Do you get it? That's funnier than you guys' reaction. You guys are asleep. Um, so, but what I'm saying is mercy. Mercy is there. We all need some mercy. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend four places we have not been merciful enough. Four places. Um, number one. I think we're called to show mercy to people who make mistakes. Who's never made a mistake? 
<laughs> you just did. Um, <laughs> um, the world, and especially, I'm going to say especially in the religious world, we are not good at allowing people to make mistakes. We're not. Uh, we would rather point an accusing figure um, than look at ourselves in the mirror. That's why Jesus said this is important. Um, we must understand that we are supposed to take on the nature of Jesus and the nature of the, in the spirit of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So what does Jesus look like? Well, one of his uh, disciples was a tax collector. His name was Matthew. And tax collectors at this time were known as money thieves. They would, what they would basically do, you had a whole system. You um, had a tax collector who would go to the, um, the pe local people. He would tax them. And let's say it was um, $500. Okay, we're just figuring it out. It was $500. So they would charge maybe $700. They would keep $700. Uh, or they, they might keep two, but actually they would probably make it eight because the person above them would take some out and the person above them would take more. So if it was $500 coming from down here. It could have gotten to 1000 or $2,000 by the time everybody's pulling out. And so the people, many, of the, many scholars believe the people that Jesus was talking to where he did, um, during the Sermon on the Mount and also with the lo uh, loaves and fish, that Jesus was talking to people who had been kicked out of their homes because of tax collectors and they were just roaming around. And that's why they were there. Um, and so you had this kind of ideology. But Jesus brings him on the team. He's walking by and Capernaum says, hey, come with me and follow me. And he, he follows him. And, and guess who gets the revelation of this merciful nature of Jesus? Matthew. Matthew does. And here's what he says in chapter 12. And he's quoting from the book of Isaiah about Jesus. He says, this fulfilled, um, this fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. You know, the church has not looked like that. We as Christians have not looked like that. We're not supposed to be a group that, that is recognized for what we stand against. I'm, I'm going to say that again. We're not supposed to be a group that is recognized for what we stand against. But that's how many people in the world view us. Oh, they're this. They stand against that. They stand against that. We are a group of people that are said, okay, you messed up there. But you can be free from the sin and your balance can be zero through Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to be fighting or shouting or raising our voices constantly in public. Jesus does not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering flame. A bruised reed, as maybe your, um, your version says, or smoldering wick, he will not stuff out. Do you know what a reed is? Anybody know what a reed is? It's, um, it's, it usually grows, it's like a little like, thing of grass, like uh, a firmer, that grows out of the water. And because it's growing out of the water, it is mainly made up of water. So when you pull it out, you can just kind of bend it over with two fingers and, and snap it off. Um, it's not like a branch of a tree, which is more difficult, but it just kind of bruises and it's easy to brush up against the reed and have it, have it go like that. And most people say, like, you know, hey, let's just make things look pretty and let's cut it away and, and move on. And Jesus is the opposite of that. He says, you know, we got we to gotta go ahead and we take care of that bruised reed. We're not going to take it and just throw it away. Uh, and we're really good about taking bruised reeds of people or, or wicks that are flickering and, and about to go out and, and help us snuff them out. 
Rather than helping uh, bring them back. Anybody have like those candles, like the wick gets down in there and it starts to get in there and you just watch it, it flickers. And if you watch long enough, it'll go out. But if you go ahead and you dump some of the wax off, it'll burn more. We need to be agents of that. A bruised weed, we need to help it up. And a smoldering wick, we need to fan into flame because that's what Jesus did. Number two, we're called secondly to show mercy to those who let us down. Anybody been let down by somebody? Anyone? Um, one of my favorite teachings ever is Jesus on the cross. Here he is. He's, um, and, I, and if you ever see a physician study on the crucifixion, it's absolutely heart-wrenching. And if you see what Jesus went through there, say he could forgive you, you'll be ready to forgive people a lot more. Um, but here he is bleeding. He had spit coming off his face. He was punched. He was mocked. He was hit with like a, like a staff, like a baseball bat. He had a crown of thorns. And in the first line when he's on the cross, he says this in Luke 23. Father, forgive them, but they don't know what they do. Now, everybody here better thank God that I'm not Jesus. Because if I was on that cross, I'd be like, get him, Daddy. I mean, I'm being honest. I, would not, I wouldn't have that, that forgiveness. I'd be like, every single one of them, wipe them out. Because that's where, that's where I am. Jesus forgave them. We're talking about a man who at that moment was denied, betrayed, accused, rejected, abused, and humiliated. And he models for us an attitude, and it'll change people's lives. In the middle of everything that was done wrong to him, he was, and all this stuff, the Bible comes and has the audacity to ask us to do the same thing. He forgives, and the Bible asks us to do this. In Colossians, Colossians 3, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself it's, it's going to be intentional. You've got to, you know, I don't think, it, nobody in here is wearing clothes you had on last week, you know, like you haven't washed, but the last week you've worn the exact same clothes, correct? You know, most of us put on clean clothes every day, and that's what we have to do. We have to close our, clothe ourselves every day, because some days ain't nobody messing with me. I got a good, merciful spirit on me. But other days, people are messing with me all the time, and I, if I don't have that, that merciful clothed on me, it's going to be problems for me. And here's what he says. Um, so we got to put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and remember forbearance. Because here's what it says. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I want you to put in your mind right now, you guys were really good about finding out what those things that you did wrong. But I want you to think right now, think of a person that you have a grievance against. Think of that person. That you have something that they've done to you. You have it right there. Everybody got it? Everybody got it? And guess what? Here's the problem. You're right to feel that way. You're right. Some of you have had stuff that is done to you that is horrific and unspeakable. And you're justified in feeling that way. But remember, the Beatitudes aren't for the receiver. They're for the giver. We're strapped with dynamite on our chests. And we're waiting for them to hit it, to blow them up, and all it's going to do is blow us up. Beatitudes are for your blessedness and the happiness of those who forgive as the Lord forgave. You can get mad or you can show mercy. Max Lucado, the great writer, wrote a book many years ago called How to Get the Applause of Heaven. And it was on forgiveness, it was on the Beatitudes. And he has this quote, which I think is a really uh, incredible quote, and he says this. Unfaithfulness is wrong. In other words, what they did to you is wrong. That person that you thought about, what they did to you is absolutely wrong. I am not justifying that at all. Not one bit. But revenge is worse. 
Revenge is worse. But the worst part of it all, without forgiveness, bitterness is all that's left. You ever know anybody who's bitter? And once, if they, if they open up and begin to speak, it comes back to a point in time where somebody did something and they haven't got over it. That person who did it has lived their life, but we're bound by that one. Did, look at all the people that Jesus had around him. The religious leaders thought Jesus and the disciples were out of their minds. He's not close to God hanging out with that group of people. They mocked him for having harlots at his feet. And did Jesus accept that lifestyle of the harlot? No. But Jesus knew that you have to connect before you correct. Problem is, we try to correct everybody. The speck of salt us, and we don't, we don't form relationship. It's about relationship. It's always about relationship you need to have. It's like we talked about him, I think, last week, little Zacchaeus, the wee little man. Right? You all know it? Zacchaeus was a... And a, okay, and what did he do? He climbed up and I, because the Lord, he wanted to. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house today. And then we went on the rest of the stuff, right? Um, Zacchaeus, here he is. That is Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus was a chief thief. He was a chief tax collector. So he was, the reason why he shimmied up the tree is nobody wanted him near Jesus. He shimmied up this tree. And just to let you know, I've seen a, a sycamore fig tree over there. It's got a big base and these these uh, tree limbs go out from the base. So he had to shimmy his little rear end out there like up like this and hold on for dear life. Okay, it wasn't like he was just sitting in like a maple tree going, uh, you know, I see it. He was holding on for dear life. And Jesus told him to come down. And what does Jesus say to him? Hey, come on, I'm going to your house. Let's go to lunch. We're going to your house for lunch. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I love that Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. This would be like going to a seminary or going to the Vatican and saying, hey, I want you to go ahead and look at the scripture and find out what it means. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Jesus is like, no, no, I want you to figure out what this means. And he says, from, a quote from God, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've come to call the right, not the righteous, but the sinners. You know, people who got it all together and know everything, they don't, you know, I, I don't, only time I go to the doctor is when I have something to do. I, I feel really sick or I have to have surgery or something. Anybody else like that? Um, you don't go to the doctor if you're, if you're healthy, usually. And that's what he's saying here. And um, so... Over the last several years, our pandemic state of mind has changed so many things. Like, we have no intention of, uh, you know, Jesus said, I have no intention of punishing people. I want to set them free. And with our pandemic state of mind, we have been called, you know, we've been socially distanced. And I hate that. I hate it. We, we've lost something. We've lost the power of, of, of touch and communication. And, like, people can't even have a, a conversation with you anymore. Um, with things, And I know there's, there's all these kind of things. And as a local and universal church, we need to step in a season where what we've lost over the last couple of years is evangelism and sharing the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Because why? We're so social distance and we're so focused in that we don't share what Christ has done. And so the church um, certainly has not been focused on, on sharing and inviting people to our faith because we also have believers who 
we're not we're even afraid to come and gather together and and there's reasons for that i'm not i'm not putting that down but we're not sure many believers uh, you look at the numbers um many we were at a very large church and they lost half of their their volunteer staff in two years and this is a massive church and and what, what's the reason because we got disconnected we got people saying, oh, I don't feel God. Don't. Because we're disconnected. Because we, we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength. But we, we know that we love God. And we build that relationship by loving each other. And we don't spend time with each other. We, we've lost something. And so I'm praying for many to come to know Jesus through the testimony and the sharing of our faith. Three and a half years ago, a survey was done. Of thousands of people in a large church. Large church in the South. And they wanted to find out. Who's the toughest person to be in a relationship with? And who's the hardest person to forgive? Some may think your parents, your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, your boss, your next door neighbor. And three to one, there was one answer that was consistent. And it may shock you. The hardest person to forgive was themselves. So that's number four. We are called to show mercy to ourselves. Psalm 38. And you may feel like what David fails himself. So I want you to just right now, whether you're tired or whether you're focused or whether your mind's ADHD like mine, there are a billion different places. I want you to just think, just pause right now and I want to think about you. I want to see if this is how you felt. That's what David says. I am drowning in the flood of my sins. Nobody else did it to me. I did it to myself and it's killing me. Bear burden too heavy to bear. Because I've been foolish, I'm utterly worn out and crushed, and my heart is troubled. In other words, I've, dis I've disappointed God, I've disappointed others. I've, dis I've disappointed God, and I'm going to tell you, no, you haven't. Why? Because here's what he says here. Disappointment is the gap between expectation and reality. God knows every single thing that you've done. Remember those five things you thought about? Or those couple things you thought about? He already knew. He already knew. He knew what was going to happen. He knew what you were going to do. And yet he still loves you and he still calls you. He still believes in you and he still wants you. And he wants you to show some mercy to yourself. We're too hard on ourselves. Jesus said to, that, to the woman where he's writing in the dirt, where they're going to stone her, throw rocks at her. Um, for adultery. I always wonder where the guy was, but that's another story another time. Um, and Jesus is writing the dirt, and he said, where are your accusers? And she says, um, they're not here. And he said, then neither do I condemn you. If Jesus doesn't condemn us, why are we condemning ourselves each and every day? Nothing more than Satan wants to do is to destroy us. Paul Wright wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And in First Timothy, he says this, even though I was once a blasphemer, and a persecutor and a violent man. What happened to him? I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out to me abundantly. He didn't deserve it, but he received it. Along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. He says, I'm, I'm going I'm to say something here and you got to accept it. And anything else, work with it. But this is, this is trustworthy and this is 
truth. And, and that's, a, that's another foreign concept in our culture today. Oh, this is my truth. You know, my truth could be that I'm a seven foot basketball player and I make a million dollars. But the reality is I'm a short, squatty little white guy here that can't, can't jump or can't shoot either. I can't shoot basketball, I'm horrible. Um, but that's my reality, right? That's my reality. And I can believe whatever I want. And, and so we are, we're, we're shifting in what we want. And, G, G, and Paul's saying here, hey, this is a trustworthy, this is a true saying, and you need to embrace it. And here's what it is. Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. Paul was pretty bad, but he didn't beat himself up. He received the mercy and the grace from Christ Jesus. And he changed his life where he was headed because repent means go from one way to the next, about face. And he began to head in a direction and he changed the world through Jesus Christ. Jesus came to set you free. Not to make you sorry, not, not to make you pain free. He wants you to be, have freedom. He doesn't want your sin and guilt. He wants your freedom. And he's going to set you free. I'm going to wrap up, but I just want to kind of quickly go ahead and, and hit some things. If you want them later, I'll, I'll put them up and let you have them. But there's a couple ways. How, do we, how can we be merciful to people who are just getting on their nerves? All right? Be patient with other people's quirks. Help anyone who's hurting around you. Give people a second chance. That's counterculture. I'm glad that we have a God of second chances. Do good to those who hurt you and be kind to those who offend, offend you. My mom used to say, kill them with kindness. I hated that. I just wanted to kill them. You know? um, build bridges of love to the unpopular. There's a lot of people out here on the fringe of society. And, you know, we're at a point now in, in the church life where it's not just invite somebody. We've got to be where people are. And we gotta sh we gotta we gotta show the love of Christ when we go to Walmart, and it doesn't add up to what we had, and it you know it's not there. You know we gotta when when the wait staff messes up our order, we gotta be merciful and show the love of Christ, not get so ticked off about those things. And the last thing is we need to value relationship over rules. Okay, there's a couple things. So you guys ready to be merciful this week? It's hard. It's very hard to do that. But guess what? It's worth it because that's what Jesus wants us to do. All right, I'm going to ask that you stand as we, um, we pray today. And we're going we're gonna to continue um, with, uh, with worship. Uh, Father, I pray uh, for that person who's drowning in their own stuff. They're utterly worn out. They're exhausted, embarrassed, ashamed, broken. And they genuinely believe that they disappointed you far too much to ever have you forgive them but God we know that you cannot be disappointed in them 
because you see from the beginning to the end, and I'm praying today, God, that the people experience your mercy more abundantly. You know, the debt that is owed, I've always thought of this way when people say, my sin is too great. I often say, well, you know, the, the bigger the debt, the more thankful you are for the forgiveness and the reconciliation. So if you've done a lot of stuff that you say, oh my gosh, God could never forgive me. Well, guess what? He just wants to forgive you all the more. So Lord, I, I ask the people that are in the sound of my voice, I pray that God, you, we're told that we are we're the priesthood of all believers, that we are all ministers of your, of your grace, and I pray that we are ministers of your mercy, and let us leave this place, and everybody we come in contact with, that we, we help, at least as they come in contact with us, reconcile and bring their balance to zero by helping them come to know you. If you're here today and you're far from God, you're not a Christian, or you are a Christian, but your relationship with God is just eh, if it's not right, and you want to be free today, you want to come to Jesus, just, just tell him, Jesus, today I want to receive your mercy and your grace. It was displayed when you died in my place on the cross. You gave me your life, and today I give you mine, all that it is, all the mess that it is, and I believe that you are the one and true living God, and you died and rose again. And with every part of my being, I'm going to follow you and your way. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' mighty name. And God, as we close out this service today, there'll be people who will be willing to pray with others up at the front and in the back. And God, as we also receive your tithe and our offerings from your people, we give you thanks as we ask for your, you to multiply them. For those who are visiting with us today, again, you are a guest today. We do not expect you to give, and we just thank you for being here. And just receive, just receive what God has for you today. And Lord, just multiply and use these gifts to further your kingdom, not only here, but around the entire world, for the sake of Christ. Amen.
Amen. You're going to clap, do it, all right? Not for us, for him. You know what? Before we leave here, just to show God how thankful we are for him, right? Let's just give him a praise, a clap offering to him. I mean, do it. Like, tell him how much. There you go. That's better. That's better. Everybody, have an amazing week, and I pray that God will give you people that you have to be merciful with. Sorry. Um, and that you'll just have a, a great week in Christ. Do not forget, uh, Vacation Bible School starts um, tomorrow night. Um, take some of those things. Give to your kids. they got a great week planned. And, um, and have a great and safe week. And um, may you just come to know Jesus even more deeper. But may you be able to share your faith with somebody. Because um, this world needs Jesus. Amen? What? Vegetables. Don't get vegetables. See, you come to church, get vegetables.